adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! sempre al mare e cantava le canzone e che sentiva sempre al mare and welcome to Rete This Way, I'm your host uh, for this week, uh, Paolo Mangoni uh, Michael D'Angelo welcome hello how are, how, how are you two uh, this evening uh, good good, Michael D'Angelo welcome uh, Julian Padu D'Angelo how are you? I'm good, Paolo. How are you? I- I'm doing well, thank you. And uh, the big winner of the weekend, Mr. Soup. <laughs> uh, Mr. Chris Vassalli. Welcome, as per usual. I'm amazing. Thanks for asking. <laughs> hey, I-, I literally said that the big winner I think that's good enough, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, let's might as well. We got a, we got a big show uh, this week, so might as well get into it. Uh, so the weekend started off with on Saturday with Spezia taking on Napoli. Uh, Napoli ran out uh, ran out winners. Uh, Michael, please uh, let us know what went down in that game. Yes, well, uh, like you said, Napoli ended up winning it uh, four to one. Uh, Zelinski with uh, the first goal, fifteen minutes in. Um, nice passing play. Zielinski was the man in the box who just kind of received the pass from uh, the right side and, and shoots it in the net. Um, again, 15 minutes in. Then Osman has himself a game. He has uh, a brace, so a goal in the 23rd, uh, a goal in the 44th. Uh, Spezia take one back in the 64th and second half to make it 3-1, but then uh, Osman with another a very selfless play. He could have had a hat-trick. He um, shoots it over to Lozano, who is uh, the man kind of tracking at the uh, on the other end of a two-on-one, uh, and he scores the goal. Uh, it's reviewed for uh, potentially VAR. Actually, it's called offside, and then VAR reviews it and, and officially gives it. But, uh, yeah, again, um, Napoli went at 4-1, and uh, they cement a little bit more of a, a proper position in the top four. So uh, just before we move on quickly, uh, I just wanted to uh, touch upon, you know, just ask all of you what of course Napoli's season would would be different with Osimen. you know do you think Napoli would have challenged um Inter uh for this season Scudetto if he was uh healthy for the majority of the season let's start with um Mike what do you think um I mean I, I don't I, I don't think so I think it's they would have probably ran into the same problems that they had in terms of consistency because I don't think that a lot of their issues were uh, in terms of scoring goals. I think a lot of it was just all over in terms of um, you know holding plays and stuff you know like it, it wasn't really 
an issue. They have a lot of attacking power, and Osman is is just another addition to that. But again, I, I think it's more of a defensive issue for them, um, defensive-minded issue in terms of uh, where they lack this year. Chris, what do you think? Uh, actually, I'll let Julian go first because I have a I have a follow up question after I answer. So, Julian, you can you can go ahead. Um, I don't think they would have competed with Inter. Still, to, if I'm being honest, like I feel like Inter, they would have ran away with the league regardless. Um, would they have been better off though? Absolutely. I was one of the few skeptics uh, throughout the course of the season on. Ozimin just because he, of course, had his injury issues and he didn't really seem to find consistency until this final stretch. But hey, they've needed him this final stretch and he showed up every game. So good for him. Yeah. So on, on that point there, Julian, uh, he has 10, Ozimin has 10 goals in 21 games this season. And he was, you know, injured for a good first half of the season. Uh, Chris, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with uh, with Mike and and Julian with with their statements. I would add, I, I think a healthy Osman um, adds to that depth Napoli has. So instead of having to rely on Pitania and, and Mertens to be the guy up top, you have him, and then Mertens and Pitania can come in in a cameo role instead of, like I said, having to rely on them. But uh, what I was going to say is after this game, because he, Mike, you said he scored two, right, Osman? Yeah. So I feel like the the chatter after this game all of a sudden was, you know, has uh, was the money worth it for Osman? And I guess my question for you guys is, before this game and before he scored this brace, was was it a waste of money for Napoli to go? And was it a not maybe not a waste? Was it a disappointment? Was this season a disappointment up until now? Um, and did he need to score this brace to kind of vindicate his transfer fee? Uh, Michael, yeah, you can tell yeah, that one first. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think this was it for me. I think it was again the games that he played. It's it's unfortunate when players get injured, but they also can really help that. Mm. I think he had with you know the sample size that he had in terms of whatever earlier in the season. I know he got injured, but other than that, he has lived up to a lot of the expectations. He's been a good player when he's been available. So I think it's uh, – I don't know that this brace really made it, but it, it, it again, it's it kind of cemented more like – again, like Napoli have cemented themselves a little bit higher in the league table now at this point. It kind of did the same for him in terms of his um, – I guess his success at this point. Because it, it was always there, right? Like he had two goals and, and an assist. That, that's incredible. Um, but I, I don't know that – uh, he didn't have that ability before, just didn't have the opportunity. Uh, Julie? Um, no, I wouldn't think it was wasted. As Michael said, you always kind of saw that ability. Uh, it just took a little while for him to find consistency. But in my opinion, as a young player in a new league, like you need to give them time. It's very rare they're going to step in and be the players you're hoping they'll be from day one. Uh, so I, I mean, as as Michael uh, made a couple of good points, uh, I don't think you know these two goals were were the clincher for me either. As Michael said, uh, he showed signs of brilliance when he was healthy, uh, especially uh, the part uh, the part of the season right before he got COVID as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I think he I think he had 
a leg injury, and then he got COVID. So there wasn't really any consistency to the season until, you know, this final part uh, to the season. Also, and it also sets him up well for, for next season. Well, like, next season will kind of be more of a normal season as we'll start, you know, getting back to normalcy in general. And I think that's where, uh, you know, Napoli fans will start seeing, uh, you know, their money, their big, uh, big signing being, you know, paying off. Yeah, yeah, good enough point. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I, I don't think the brace was what put it over the top. I think uh, with the games he's played, he had already kind of proved his ability. And kind of like what Mike said, he just, when he was available, he he showed what he was capable of. All right, so let's move on to Udinese Bologna, uh, which was played at the same time as uh, Spezia Napoli on Saturday. So the game ended in a 1-1 draw. Uh, DePaul scored first in the 23rd minute. And Orsolini tied it up uh, with a PK in the 82nd minute. So Undenez have picked up four points in their last three Serie A games. One win, one draw, and one loss. They sit in 11th place. And Bologna were, are winless in their last four games. So three draws and one loss. And they sit in 12th place. So Inter, uh, you know, had their first victory lap run. Uh, they went out 5-1 winners against Sampdoria. Gagliardini Sanchez scored uh, scored in the fourth minute. Sanchez scored a double in the 26th and 36th minute. Pinamonte scored his first goal for the club in the 61st minute. And Latauro scored his 16th goal in Syria this season from a penalty in the 70th minute. Sampdoria's lone consolation goal came from Keita Balde in the 35th minute. And Sampdoria have two losses in their last three Syria games. And they sit in ninth place. So let's move on to Fiorentina. Hold on, hold on. Just quickly, yes, I want to yeah. talk about the beta mentality of Sampdoria, giving a little bit of a some sort of, <laughs> the, the, I don't the, know, the, guard of honor. The guard oh, of honor. Yeah. God. Oh, God. Listen. And then you go on and you lose 5-1? Come on. <laughs> okay, well, let's not look at let's not look at the, the actual fact that they lost 5-1. But, you know, they, I mean, from what I saw, uh, you know, from Ranieri's comments, I mean, it was a classy move from a classy manager and, you know, uh, I hope uh, the reports that uh, that came out today with Ferrero meeting Dan Stankovic in Milan are false and that they do keep uh, Ringieri on for next season. Yeah, I was just joking. I don't think it's uh, it was a shit thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, we can get on to, you know, uh, manager transfer talk uh, later on uh, this month as the season comes to a close. Uh, so, Julian, um, so the next game is Fiorentina-Lazio. What do you got there? Um, so, big game for both teams. Fiorentina was just on the cusp of relegation, kind of still in that will-they-won't-they they talk. Um, and Lazio really needed to win to maintain a leg in the Champions League race. Um, game finished 2-0 with Vlaovic uh, scoring both goals for Fiorentina. Um Correa, I know, had a chance very early on to score, but a very nice save from Dragovsky kept uh, the game at 0-0. And then Vlaovic went down and scored the first goal. Um, nice little kind of give-and-go from Kashavili to Baragi, who played it across for an easy tap-in for Vlaovic. And then he sealed the game late with um, a header off of a corner, I believe, in the 85th. So Fiorentina, I think it's fairly safe to say that they're not going to be relegated this year. And Lazio, I think now that was kind of the final nail in their coffin for their Champions League run. 
yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the recent form was dictating that Lazio would at least show up in this game. I watched this game. I was very disappointed in Lazio's performance. Uh, I thought, you know, again, they had two straight wins uh, coming into this game and absolutely laid a stinker. I think they had uh, one shot on target, and that was a Morishi header. Uh, they they couldn't create anything. Uh, anything that they did create was offside. So, uh, again, very, very disappointing performance, especially when, uh, you know, you're playing for a top four position. If I was the owner of Lazio, I would possibly sell my team because <laughs> I mean he can't he, I mean but I guess I mean he Salernitana got promoted right so exactly exactly yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> is that what you're getting at yeah okay I don't know if you're talking about that or him potentially being suspended or maybe he already was suspended well yeah, uh, no he got away with yeah. it I think didn't he no no he got suspended oh okay. he did okay yeah so he has to he has to relinquish his uh his FIGC roles but he got suspended as days. Lazio president, right? That's right. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Hey, so. yeah. <laughs> well, it still doesn't Imagine. matter. You still that 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 suspension is 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 long enough that he has to relinquish his, his uh, federal roles uh, in, in in Italian soccer. Um, but uh, to that point, I know we're getting a bit off a bit off tangent. Thank you, Michael. But he, <laughs> he does have to sell either either club in the next 30 days yeah so Lazio he'll sell they're most likely he'll make yeah. more money yeah when? 100% he will sell uh, Lazio well there was there's rumors that there is an, uh, an Arab sheik who is interested oh. in the club because again he's he has to sell either one right I, I mean it, if if I were a Latito I would sell Lazio and take the profit and then just turn it, and then buy know, four Lazios well, no, but it just and, and, and have Salernitana and try to maintain Salernitana in Syria, right? Same thing. Well, no, because you probably make more money as a, a higher. The, a, well, actually, it depends what what the you know with I mean, budgets in terms of wages, etc. And yeah, but Lazio is a bigger brand, right? So that's the only thing. Yeah, that's it. So anyway, now where were we? Uh, I I don't know, Paulo. Well, again, thank you, Michael, for that nice, <laughs> nice tangent and um, a very um, humorous tangent. Uh, so the it. next game was Genoa Sassuolo. Sassuolo ran out two one winners. Uh, Raspadori scored in the 14th minute, and Berardi scored in the 66th minute from a hilarious giveaway from Andrea Maziello, which <clears throat> uh, history has proven that he's also a convicted match fixer. So we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> and then Zappa Costa got. Uh, <laughs> a goal in the 85th minute. So Genoa has suffered their second straight loss and they sit in 14th place. Uh, Lazio, excuse me, Sassuolo are undefeated in their last six games. They have five wins and one draw. And they sit two points back of Roma who are in seventh place. Uh, so actually Raspadori has five goals this season and Berardi has 16 goals this season, which is pretty impressive from him. So the next game on the docket is Parma-Atalanta. There were seven goals in this game. Atlanta scored five of them. Uh, the first one from Malinowski in the 12th minute, Vecina in the 52nd minute, Muriel in the 77th and 86th, and Mriancic to round off the five goals in the 93rd minute. Parma got the two goals in the 78th from Brunetta and Som in the 88th. So Atlanta are undefeated in the last eight games. Six wins, two draws, and they sit in second place. Muriel has 21 goals in Serie A this season. 
And yeah, so I mean, it's quite impressive because uh, you know, I remember I was ripping on him last week because he essentially gave Inter the Scudetto last week. But uh, again, still a pretty impressive uh, season from Atalanta. All right, so it's, the next. It's yeah, not, there's no co- there's no coincidence that they have the same colors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're also from the same region, by the way. Uh... Uh... All right, so the next game on the list is Hellas Verona Torino. That game ended in a one-one draw. Uh, future Inter player uh, Federico DeMarco scored Verona's uh, only goal in the 88th minute, and Torino ha- uh, took the lead with a vote Voda in the 85th minute. So Hellas Verona are winless in their last six games, four losses, two draws, and they sit in 10th place. And uh, Torino have only lost once in their last seven games, which was a one nothing loss versus Sampdoria. And in the other six games, they have three wins and three draws. All right, so the most important game that was played on Saturday, excuse me, on Sunday, was Benevento Cagliari. So this was uh, a very exciting game to watch. Uh, Vico Ganesh took an, um, took the lead in the first minute, uh, which was a 25-yard curler, which was worked from a set piece, uh, a set, excuse me, a set play off the corner. Uh, Lapadula tied it up at 1-1 after uh, Caprari picked off Cepatelli, uh who played in uh, Lapadula uh, from the uh, 18-yard box, and he slotted it to make it 1-1. Uh, Schettarella forced an outstanding save from Cranio uh, off a header from a free kick to keep it at 1-1. In the second half, Pavley nodded home a Zappa cross to make it 2-1 in the 64th minute. So this is where uh, the controversy struck in this game, where I wanted to discuss further. Um so Asamoa stuck on a leg, which forced Viola to go down. Uh, so it was originally called a PK, uh, but it was called back by VAR because Asamoa didn't make contact with Viola. Uh, Julian, we were discussing off air if uh, you know if there was any contact, and you you agreed that there was no contact, right? There, I mean, I think there was a little bit of slight contact, but I think the issue was Viola was already going down. Like, as soon as he kind of cuts into the box, he starts to fall. And as he's already falling, then there's slight, slight contact with Asamoa. But in my opinion, the no penalty was the correct call. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Michael. Uh, I didn't watch it, so I don't know. Okay. So, anyway, Chris, Chris, what did you think? Yeah, the the attacker was, was looking for the contact. For me, anyway, it looks like he sticks his leg out or at least... Uh, kind of invites the contact, and so I think the the right the right call was made to reverse the initial call in the field. Yeah. Uh, so as you both said, Viola was going down before he even made contact with Asamoa. Uh, so like you can, if you watch the replay from behind, Viola was falling down, and then Asamoa puts in a leg, and even then there was the like slightest of contact, which is wasn't even enough to to actually bring him uh, to bring him down if he stayed up on his feet. So after so that, yeah, was it ahead. was it similar to that like ghost uh, foul against who was it last week with Napoli? Was it last it was... week? Wasn't there some and it like it negated a goal or negated something? Oh, he's looking uh, at his notes. Yes, uh, not sure. Was it? They, um... play? they played Cagliari last week, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, it was Cagliari. Yes. Um, maybe. 
Uh, they have to look that up. Anyone guys have anything? It doesn't ring a bell, no. No. Yeah, there there was some. It was like some ghost, whatever call, and they they called it back, even though it turned out that the guy just fell, but the ref had already called it back, something like that. Interesting. What what I will add though is I, I know we well in general VAR gets ripped on most weeks for you know missing that or for not picking that up, but this is the perfect case where VAR you know helped the referee make the right call because. As a referee, I don't know how you you catch that in live time at game speed. Like I, I don't think the human eye will catch those little nuances. So, again, for for all the the wrongs that VAR has has come across this year, that's that's one example where it works out perfectly. All right, so we'll we'll get to the opposition to your point there, Chris, in a second. I just want to finish off this game. So yeah, Pedro uh, scored the third goal uh, after Nandez brought it to the byline uh, to set him up. Uh, for a quick tap-in. So, uh, Pedro actually has 16 goals this season as well. Uh, Benevento sit three points back of Spezia and four points back of Gagliari. Uh, so, they they actually have their, their winless in their last five games. One draw, four losses. So, Chris, the Benevento president, Orieste Vigorito, went on Sky Sports following the game and he accused the VAR referee, Mazzoleni, of trying to send them down to Syria B because they're from the south. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think you need to. Oh, he needs to come up with a better excuse than that. I mean, uh, I'm sure there are many occasions where a VAR ref is from a, a region that's got something against the region from that a president is from. Whatever the case is, I mean, if, if you dig deep enough, you'll find a reason to <laughs> to blame somebody for a bad call. So it's it's, it's bullshit if you ask me. There you go. So, and the irony about this is that Galieri is also a so-called Mezzogiorno region, which is considered the south in Italy. Mm-hmm. And so, what I don't understand is how can a, a VAR referee be picking between two teams from the south? Just the the, the absolute <laughs> the absolute absurdity of the statements, which. You know, to me, he's obviously going to get fined or suspended by the FIGC, of course, because he he made reference to ter- uh, territorial discrimination, which is obviously against the rules in Italian football. But also in the fact that they're playing Galeri as well. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, so I just wanted to bring that up because uh, I thought it was hilarious for our listeners to understand about what goes down in in the lower levels of Syria and how, uh, you know, presidents make up excuses, to take heat off their team, especially after a bad performance from Pedavento. Uh, any final comments on that before we move on? I was just going to go back to the, like when you first introduced uh, the Benevento Cagliari game, mm-hmm. uh, you started off by saying it was the most important match of the weekend. Um, so little foreshadow. <laughs> it, it, it was, yes. Uh, sure, so, sure, moving sure. Moving on. Moving sure. on. Uh, Roma played Crotone. Uh, they went out 5 nothing winners. Uh, Mario Mayoral, Borja Mayoral, got a brace, uh, scored in the 47th and the 80th minute. Pellegrini got a brace as well. He scored in the 70th and 73rd minute. Mkhitaryan rounded out the five goals in the 78th minute. So this was Roma's first win in Serie A in the last five games. Uh, Crotone are one goal away from setting or from tying the uh, record for most goals conceded in a single season. 
All right, so moving on to a game where had no meaning whatsoever because of <laughs> certain things that will happen off the field. But Chris, go ahead. I think uh, you have that uh, match report. Is this the most important match of the weekend that you're referring to? No, no, I, no. I, I, no, that's like I said. That's Benevento. God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was this was this the same team that was campeoned in Berno? Sorry, what? Was this the did same? We, did team we lose? That... We lost Paulo, guys. It's okay. I'll take over. Yeah, amazing. I can hear him just fine. I, I can for some reason. It's just a coincidence. <laughs> um, obviously, the biggest match of the weekend. I don't care what Paulo says about Benevento Galliuri. That's certainly the second most important because of the relegation implications, but. Obviously, this was big for top four implications. Uh, you could also call it the Gijo Donnarumma sweepstakes match. The um, ladder match. <laughs> yeah, <not>. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the better team won. Um, Juve had one shot on target the entire match. They looked like the confused, uninspired Juve team that we've seen you know, pretty often this year. Um I'll, I'll be honest, I would have been happy with a draw uh, just because of how it would have sorted Milan out or kept Milan in the running uh, with regards to top four. But beating Juve 3-0 this late in the season with this sort of um, these sort of implications was, was is amazing. Like I, I couldn't have asked for a better result. Two of the three goals were our... RTW goal of the week candidates. They didn't win, but they were definitely candidates. Um, Tomori's third goal, that header off of the free kick. If that was Ronaldo, we would be seeing thousands of still images showing how high Tomori got. If you haven't seen it, I mean, he, he got up there. I got, I I don't care who was defending him there. He was going to go up and he was going to win that. And it was also a nice finish as well. Um, but I also don't want to take away from Brahim Diaz and Ante Rebic's goals, which were both um, very well hit. Um, now, I know Paulo and Mike, you guys, or maybe not so much Mike, but Paulo, you were off air anyways talking about where Chiesa was played in, in, with regards to the Juve starting lineup. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I did not, I did not understand why he was on the same side as uh, Calabria. Um I mean, he was put in a position where uh, he 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 was going up against. I want to say Milan's best defender, in my opinion, um, contender to to start for for Team Italy in the Euros. Uh, and he, even even so, uh, Chiesa was still Juventus's most creative player on the field, in my opinion. Mike, I don't know, like, do you do you, do you agree with me when I say that? Uh, yeah, until Dybala came on for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly, and then for <laughs> Chiesa, which didn't make any sense. You're yeah. down. You're down. Was it? You're down two nothing. Two, two at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, that... was it? Mm, I may have been just one. He no. no, no I was, think the no, second goal was scored before Dybala came on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Actually, it was. So yeah. Dybala was about to come on. Exactly. We and scored, then scored, and yes. then they threw him on because they changed stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, but but what's the point of taking off Chiesa when you're already down two nothing and put it on Dybala? What are what are you changing? You're changing absolutely nothing. You're taking off a player that's that's it's a like for like substitution. I mean, uh, like why not put uh, put Chiesa on the same side as Teo Hernandez and put Teo Hernandez 
on the back foot instead of allowing Teo Hernandez to roam up the left wing and put pressure on Chiesa, excuse me, on Cuadrado, which is exactly how uh, that happened for the first goal, which was from the same side as uh, Teo Hernandez uh, and, and Cuadrado. And I want to get to the to the first goal. I mean, uh, Chesney made up with the penalty save, of course. We didn't even m- mention that because Milan still won 3 nothing for fuck's sakes. Um, <laughs> and so it was a poor punch from, from uh, Sesejny. The, the second thing was I was I don't like the, the Italian media says there was no there was no handball, but like I think that hand influenced the way Brian Diaz brought that ball down. There's no fucking way if his arm wasn't cradling the ball that he was able to to, to bring that down the way he did. In my opinion, you, anyway. you don't think you don't think Agnelli's men would have flagged it if there was even close to his hand? What 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 are, what are men? Why are we getting into this conversation when we're, Elkin, we're already talking know. about John Elkin? <laughs> and plus, exactly, Elkin was in the fucking stands. Anyway, like, so how how would I mean? You got you got XOR money there. You think that wouldn't have changed anything? But anyway, I don't know I'm I'm digressing. The, Just a bit. The, and then and then, <laughs> and then Killian was left out to dry today. He made a couple of good tackles, but like on that third goal, what the fuck was Rabio doing? Like, he, like he he, I mean, it was a nice ball, but Rabio didn't mean jump. There was two, there was Jair and Tamori, and Killian was defending. So like uh, Tamori are like had the advantage already on. Yeah, like I said at the beginning, the better team won. Which is really what matters yeah. at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I mean, th- as much as as happy as I am and as as happy as Milan fans are about the win and seeing Juve in fifth, at the end of the day, Juve is only one point back of Napoli, and I I will I will hope that Napoli does finish in the top four and that Juve finishes outside of the top four. But uh, again, it's one point. Napoli have not been the most consistent team this year. We've highlighted that many times. So um, anything could happen. Yeah. Anything the only thing, the only thing I'll say to that though is that they have a very easy schedule. They do. Um, That's a good point. They play Cagliari and who else? This Torino? on Wednesday, Torino. Uh, no, Milan no, no, play no. Cagliari, Torino. Oh, okay. Well, Napoli again also have uh, an easy one as well. So it's it's yeah. not Udinese. Udinese. That's it. That's right. So I mean, it's. Um, yeah, and, and Juve have does have. They have Inter, who's Inter, gonna. They're gonna leave it all out on the field, right? Oh, so. for sure. I, that's legit. They're the only game that Inter is gonna put their best yeah. uh, team on for the rest of the season, right? So uh, it's. I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So. So oh, we can. Uh, oh, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Julian will make sure of it. Yeah. Uh, I also want to point out that Bentancur was utterly useless this game as well i mean please someone like someone tell me that they saw the the sequence of play where he like sh- absolutely shanked his like like he was had yeah, no the, pressure the on pass him. that went out for oh, a throw yeah. Yeah. oh my god <laughs> a good laugh. yeah uh, but so on that so i mean he, he he was terrible there's nobody on i don't even think his mother would defend his play against the because <laughs> it was that bad but uh, I, I sent you guys. Um, it was like a, one of those weird charts, but it, it, it's a um, it's something. Yeah, it breaks down. It was breaking down all of the midfielders, and it U23, looks at like U twenty three. I think it was. I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, uh, which I didn't think he qualified for. But anyways, it looked at like ball progression, 
ball retention, tackles, uh, and a couple of other key metrics. And there are only five midfielders, uh, U23 midfielders in all of Europe that are in the top um, 25% of all these five categories. Anyways, long story short, Ben Sancourt was one of them. So Right dead in the middle. And yeah. honestly, like it's, it's surprising. I think if you put a, a guy in that position uh, long enough, I guess, for him, like he has the experience and he has the ability, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't have it uh, in like big games, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I th- what that chart also didn't show is the mistakes these players make uh, how does it influence a game? Because I feel like the right. mistakes he makes is, are, are very are significant, big. exactly, and they they influence the outcome of the game. So uh, it's that's why stats don't always tell the whole story. But it, I, I think it does make a case for for teams trying to say, okay, you know, he does have value. But go ahead, yeah, uh, Michael, you mentioned big games, correct? I'm pretty sure uh, one of his giveaways was during the game against Porto. Oh, remember that was the first goal, wasn't it? It was the yeah, pass yeah. back, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean. Again, so Michael, good point about the, uh, how Bentacore does not show up in big games. Uh, he's, again, he probably nerves. He, he can tell he was he wasn't. I don't know. Game. I don't know if it's nerves. I think it's just he like it's. It, I I wouldn't just say that it's him either. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't show up for big games, but I think this Juventus hasn't all season. That so, is true. And, yeah. and it's funny because in, in past seasons he's been okay. There there's literally stretches where he can compete with. Um, any midfielder in that in, on our team to be the best player on the pitch. He was at one point, honestly, he was probably uh, out doing even Marquisio for a position on the field. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I think it's probably more that the whole team has underperformed and he just happens to be, you know, in a, like Chris said, in a pivotal role that, you know, the mistakes that he make are very, uh, egregious mistakes because you know you're the last whatever in a midfield that needs to be you know making defensive plays as well or, or controlling the play right mm-hmm. so that's it. yeah All I, right, just, so, just yeah, defend him a little just <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so, proceed <laughs> uh, I, have a, I have a couple of things before we get to break uh I want to check off the fact that, uh, so I mentioned that John Elkin, president of Exor, which is Juventus' parent uh, corporation, was... Uh, <laughs> Elkin, at... Elkin, mad. <laughs> Elkin, Elkin, mad. <laughs> was at the stadium uh, uh, for the game against Milan. And, uh, Michael, we were discussing this. This was a... It, this was delicious irony that he was present at this game and saw how bad the team played. And um, for me, it's just it brings both as- aspects of the game uh, together. The off the pitch, off the pitch decisions that the club has made, and the on field play. So it's a, it's like a perfect storm that hopefully, in my opinion, should get Agnelli Ale- uh, sacked from his position as president, uh, and, and the whole. Uh, the board of directors, in my opinion, except for Nedved. I don't think, I think Nedved was the only one that wanted to keep Sari, so good on him. He was right about that. And, uh, and again, we discussed at the beginning of the season, finally, finally, people have woken up to the fact that it's not wholly the manager's fault. You can blame Pirlo for uh, 
you know, inexperienced in the Porto game or inexperienced uh, uh, setting out his team. But there's a bunch of a bunch of important people. For example, John Elkin's brother, Lapo Elkin, came out and spoke for the family and literally like tore apart the players, say that they played with no heart. And then you have Fabio Capello, former Juventus manager, absolutely destroyed him as well, saying that, that the leaders were nowhere to be seen on the field. So we'll go with the, the, the Milan fan and then the Inter fan. And then, Michael, you can uh, you can go after that. Uh, Chris, who do you think is at fault? Uh, I think too often, especially at this level, the managers take the fall. And I think this is a case where Pirlo's doing the best he can with the players available to him. And like you mentioned, with the experience that is that he has. So I, I think the player, the sorry, the individuals who put the roster together, so Paratici and Yelly, I think they need to uh, wear this and take responsibility for it. And unfortunately, in this business, that means losing your job. So I would point to them too. Julian? Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, I mean, Pirlo has observed some blame 100%. I mm-hmm. think he hasn't been great, but he was also kind of completely set up to fail. Like, they appointed a coach with zero experience to try and get Juve their 10th title in a row. You know what I mean? It was it was doomed to fail. Um, to me, they just don't seem to have a plan, and they really haven't for a little bit. They kind of went out and signed Ronaldo, and then didn't really build the rest of the team up. Yeah, because Ronaldo was going to, you know, pay off by himself by selling uh, jerseys and Easter eggs. <laughs> Michael? What? Easter eggs? Yeah, the, the, the giant meme that, like, Juventus had sold the most Easter eggs this season. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Okay, from a business perspective, I don't think Agnelli should be sacked. That's that is but my why? opinion. So it, it get banned, Michael. Again, he is operating. You have to think about it in a business perspective. He is operating under the pretense that Juventus cannot afford to operate the way they're operating, not just because of uh, salaries, whatever. It's because the whole system that is. European soccer is rigged against their success or their growth as a company. So he is somebody who has, I guess, with a group of other people, have determined that there is a more viable way for people to enjoy European soccer. And they try to enact that. I don't think that is doing wrong by the stakeholders. I think the issue is, again, there was a lot more complexity to that. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's the, it was the wrong way to go about stuff, but I just think that I, I don't know that he's totally to blame in terms of like that decision, the, the sporting decisions I would, I can understand, you know, he probably had a lot to say or a lot of influence on a lot of aspects, right? Because he is an Agnelli, but I just think that for me, the blame this season solely rests on Paratici he needs to go. They need to find someone who can not just bring in players, bring in the proper players, bring in the right players. You know, if, if Juventus had the foresight that uh, Maldini and co had to bring in the right players who could play, you know, they're all young. 
they're uh, they play the proper like the way that Milan is playing now instead of just bringing in Rabiot because he is a talent and he is free. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's there's a little bit more to it than uh, than just bringing in players. You got to bring in smart players. But again, that's uh, that's my eight, 18 cents, I guess. <laughs> so again, I I disagree with you. I, I know, I know I'm... you were going to say that. There was no even point to say it because you said it on this podcast. You said it on uh, eleven other podcasts that we've had, and we've talked about this discussion before. Yes. Um, again, so, I, I just think there is there is more to it than you are. Um, and you're on? saying, yeah, well, not the leading on. I think you just need to acknowledge a little bit more than just, you know, the thing about sporting decisions like that is that it can get emotional. And that's what I think your, your issue is, is I, that listen, there's, you meant to have not succeeded. Even, so you fire the man. No, there's, there's more to it than that. There's a business that he has to take okay. care of right, and he's right. not able to take care, take care of it in the current environment. Michael, I, I, I'll take emotion out of it. Let's talk about purely business aspects. Okay. If, if I'm a shareholder of Juventus uh, Football Club, okay, and UEFA sanctions me or sanctions my club, okay, which I am a shareholder of, and forces them out of Europe for two years, let's say, as president, he is responsible for that failure. He made a business decision which backfired, and that, and he has to own up for that. He can put out all the statements he wants with. Real Madrid and Barcelona because it doesn't matter because they're going to get banned too. So yeah. it, it does it doesn't matter. He made a business decision, it failed. He has to resign. It's that simple. It's it's like it's like again, <laughs> I, I I like to, yeah. I like to 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 link it to a failed coup. He 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 failed to take power. He uh he he got defeated. He must resign. He must go into exile and that's exactly what he should do. Anyway, so I, I any any last comments about that before we move on to the relegation race? Um, no, I I, I did, but I, I've already forgotten because you can talk too long. So it's <laughs> it's uh, it, it's yeah yeah we'll let it go. Okay, uh, Julian or Chris? I'm good. Okay, so um, relegation. So uh, as I said uh, earlier, Benevento are three points back of Spezia, four points back of. Cagliari, uh, their next game. So Benevento plays Atlanta on Wednesday. Uh, Cagliari plays Fiorentina on Wednesday as well. Uh, and Spezia play uh, Sampdoria on Wednesday. So out of those three teams now, I think it's safe to say that Torino are out of it because um, they have the game in hand against Lazio as well. So I think they're five points up, if I'm not mistaken. So, out of those three, out of Cagliari, Spezia, Benevento, uh, Julian, who is the likeliest one to go down? Out of those three, I'm still going Benevento. Um, I mean, they need... I don't know the head-to-head between them and Spezia, but regardless, they still need to make up three points in three games on Spezia. So, to me, they're they're already... They're they're in tough. I don't think they're going to be able to make it out. So, so to that point, there, Julian. On Sunday, uh, Benevento play Crotone, and Spezia play Torino. So again, I think the week thirty-seven will be the uh, the most fundamental round 
to the side. So, I mean, I think Benevento could get three points from Crotone. And uh, and Spezia will be in tough against against Torino, so you never know. It could it could change on a dime as well. Uh, sure. Let's go, Michael. Michael, your thoughts. Uh, what are the options again? Uh, Spezia, Benevento, Cagliari. Yeah, I think um, I think Cagliari have enough experience that they won't go. Um, I think the real question is between Spezia and Benevento, and I think that. Uh, I mean, it's tough, but I would probably, uh, I don't know. I, I'd give it to Benevento, I think. That's you, the think be, I mean. you think Benevento will, will, will stay in Syria? Will stay up, I think. Yeah, I think that's, that's again, I, I think it's at, uh, what is it? They're, they're at 30. Check. Benevento? Points. Yeah, Benevento's at 31 and Spetia's at 34. At 34, yeah. yeah. So it has to, I mean, yeah. They, Benevento obviously needs to win the next couple of games. But I don't know. I, I just think that season oh, they wise, won't win. they won't win against Atlanta, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen Stranger Things too. True, true. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I, I would like to reward Benevento more because they have been playing, um, I think, a little bit more aggressive all season. Uh, but it's hurt them obviously because they're obviously in the position they're in. So. So to answer Julian, your question about the head-to-head. So uh, in the first matchup between Benevento Spezia, it was three nil for Spezia, and then they drew on one okay. in the second so leg. Need, so Spezia so has, points. yeah, exactly. So that means we need what well, we need for, for Benevento to stay up. Spezia has to drop points in two out of their next three games, uh, and Benevento obviously has to pick up points in those games. So. Uh, like you, Mike, I would I would like for Benevento to stay up, but I, I just don't see it happening with the, the current point gap and with the way the schedule is mm-hmm. lined up. Really? Am I the only one who wants Spezia to stay up? I, I was about to say Spezia as well. So, I think... so Sorry, go ahead, Paula. Well, I know I think Spezia has, has have gotten um, better results. I know that Benevento beat uh, Juventus this season, uh, but uh, Spezia have tied. Did they, they, they tie Inter join? Yeah, they, they did Inter? recently. And they beat Milan as well, and I'm pretty and sure they beat, they beat Napoli Sassuolo. early on. And they beat Napoli, yeah. They beat Napoli, and I'm pretty sure they beat Sassuolo. They did, yeah. Sure. yeah. Uh, I guess the yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with either or Spezia or Benevento staying up, but I I think just um, my loyalty to Inzaghi wants Benevento to stay up more. Maybe that's what. Maybe yeah, I, I see that too. I think that's probably why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed just to wrap it up before we go into break. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, this season's. Uh, relegation race. I think it's been uh, the most exciting in the last, at least definitely the last few seasons, probably since the season where Montella was uh, managing Fiorentina and general, and they were fighting out uh, as well, where they, mm-hmm. when they played out to a nice zero save both their asses, <laughs> which was uh, another, another, another delicious match fixing. Anyway, um, <laughs> before I get myself into trouble, let's, uh, let's go to break and uh, we'll be right back after this break. Mourinho, la 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 la, Jose Mourinho. 
Again, Paul Mangoni. Uh, so, Chris, uh, we have our "Who Am I?" question lined up. But just before that, uh, Michael, we neglected to announce our goal of the week uh, winner. We did. Uh, could you uh, could you announce that for us, please? Uh, yes. So, our goal of the week took place in the uh, Benevento uh, Cagliari game, <laughs> uh, and who was it? It was in the Lico first minutes, in the Lico very yeah. very yeah. first uh, minute uh, was uh, Liko Yanis. I'm sure. Quickly moved on the first time. Shot. The most incredible start, and Liko Yanis with the dagger blow into Benevento and sets Cagliari running at the beginning of this match. A perfectly worked corner kick move. I guess that's it. Uh, it yeah. was nice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we chose that over the Rebbage goal because of, uh, for for me, in my opinion, how it was how it was worked. I think the Rebbage uh, goal was just more, um, you know, spontaneous. Spontaneous shot. This was well planned out of the Likoyanis school. Any yeah, thoughts, I mean, gentlemen? I think you could argue either or. I, I mean, like I was saying, I think the significance of the Revage goal also helps because that pretty much sealed the win for it. Whereas if this was a, a first minute uh, wonder strike, but nonetheless, it was, it was really well struck. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris, uh, please uh, recap last week's Who Am I question. Right, so hits number one from last week. This non-European has played for two clubs in Serie A, scoring at least 15 goals with both. Hint number two, he has played in two World Cups but never gone to the knockout stages. And hint number three, he has played in both the Champions League and Europa League. And the answer for last week was Gervinho. Uh Michael, could you um, explain what went down after? I know um, one of our uh, followers uh, got it right, but uh, neglected to send us a topic, correct? Yes. (laughs) So uh, because of that, we are going to take advantage uh, to discuss topics that we thought have been uh, marginalized over the past uh, the past week because of what happened on the weekend. So the first is we want to get uh, get deep into is the changes to the Copa Italia format for next season. So uh, last week, the Lega Serie announced that only teams from Serie A and Serie B will be allowed to play in the competition. So just to um, summarize the sentiment of that decision, Venezia FC called it tone deaf. So, gentlemen, uh, what do we think of this decision? We'll go from Julian, Michael, and Chris. 
Um, I mean, it kind of takes the, I don't want to say the fun out of it, but almost like the surprise out of it. I know realistically 99% of the time you're always going to have Serie B and Serie A teams in it. Um, but I mean, hey, I remember a couple of years ago, Portinone took into the penalties. So the fun of it is kind of not there anymore. I don't agree with it. I think they should include Serie C teams. I don't know why they decided not to, but. Michael? Uh, I think it's. Uh... It's a really, um, I guess, hypocritical uh, decision, you know, based on their uh, everyone's outrage about Super League and, you know, how, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a league for the elite. It's stupid, blah, blah, blah. What about us? What about us? Well, now they're saying, okay, but also this, this competition is just for us. Uh, so screw the other teams. Um, at the same time, I would say that uh, I don't know that it's really impactful for those other teams. Like, sure, there can be a game. Like you said, I think last week you said that there was, you know, a team who who played Milan, I think it was, in Coppa Italia or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, one of your most exciting games to watch or whatever. But it's it's really, that's a one in a million kind of thing. I understand based on, you know, it's like a, a merit thing if you've made if you've fought your way there and you earned your spot, you should be able to play. I just think, again, it's, it doesn't really matter, but um, yeah, that's it. Michael. I oh, just excuse went. me, uh, Chris. Chris. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, to Mike's last point, I guess I, I could argue the same thing, just the other way to say that if it's only because it is, you know, for most SETI C and SETI D clubs, it really is just going to be one match. I think that would be my argument for saying, why not leave it that way? Like it, it really isn't that much uh, being added to their schedule. Um, let them have that thrill of potentially getting to play a SETI B or SETI A club. Uh, obviously, we know why it was done at the end of the day. It comes down to dollars and cents. And um, I'm assuming these SETI A and SETI B clubs will get uh, a larger uh, piece of the pie. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do like the, the like Julian said, the, the unknown aspect of it. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's also hypocritical, hypocritical, excuse me, like, um, like Mike was saying. So, uh, I don't think they would ever do this, but if there was like a tier two Copa Italia, where if like, if they're going to cut out these clubs from the true Copa Italia, can you create some sort of another domestic tournament that the city mm-hmm. C and city D clubs only get to participate in? Uh, I know obviously the, the prestige wouldn't be there, but at least there's another uh, event for them to look forward to. Yeah. And, and to your point, I think it, it, it is fun. And I agree. That's why they should be in there. Right. Because, you know, it's fun to have that Syria C, you know, uh, team play against Juventus or Milan. Cause again, it's, it's a, just a different atmosphere and people get excited for that. But mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, when's the last time one of those teams has won it and is really, uh, changing the rest of the competition other than just muddying all the logistical things that have to take place in order to get that to happen. So, uh, Michael, the reason why, because you asked, uh, or I think it was Julian, the, the reason why they're doing that is because the the qualifiers, so without the Syria, Syria G and Syria D teams, the, um, there's only 40 teams with them, the 78. So 
the city and city D teams start in late July, early August, and then the Syria clubs come in and Serie B teams come in in the third quali- uh, qualifying round around mid August, right before the season starts. It was because this happens because the Syri- the Syriac teams didn't want to play before the season started. That's the whole reason why. So because of this, they can start the the first round after you know two weeks after the the Syria Syria season has started. So they they don't have to worry about uh, changing uh, their preparations for um, a, a game for like Undinese versus uh, Pescara. Uh, to, as an example, you understand? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the team that you were looking for, Michael, was Alessandria Calcio. They made it to the semifinals against Milan in the 2015-2016 season. Right. And who was the last Serie Chi team to win it? <sighs> I don't think there ever was. Interesting. I, off the top of my head, I don't think there was. There's, you know, teams that have... You know, gone far, like gone far, or you know, v- sorry, just like the yeah. in ninety six, ninety seven, Vicenza won it, uh, but I don't know which division they were playing in that year. Uh, we could probably look that up, but yeah, I'm just looking at the list of winners. I, I, I'd be very surprised if if a uh, City City C club won it. I think Vicenza at that time was in Syria, but again, I yeah. might be mistaken. So. Uh, Good, good, uh, good on you to, to look look it up. So while well, Chris is looking that up, um, so again, there's a lot of talk in the Italian media to you know reform the Coppa Italia to make it more you know to try to get that FA Cup magic as uh, the media likes to talk about. You know the you know the oldest cup uh, cup competition in the world is the FA Cup, and the most ironic thing is that by taking away the small clubs, I know you guys have mentioned it. It, it, it takes away the unknown, and and the small teams is what gives the FA Cup that magic. That you know, uh, uh, there could be a a story tale, sto- uh, you know, a fairy Storybook tale, fairy run. tale, yeah, yeah, it's a fairy tale run where a small club like was it Sutton played against Arsenal, you know, and it's also a way for these small clubs to get an important source of revenue. If they do come up against a that, club I agree like with. Milan or yeah, Inter. yeah, no, that's fair, and and I think that's that's a benefit for these small teams, and I think that's something that's going to be sorely missed. But, um, yeah, I I just feel like if they do do this, that they need to find some other way to include, like Chris said, these teams in some sort of tournament, so that they're they're not losing out on you know even for the money that that team would have made have that be the, the pot for the actual tournament, right? Because, like, what are the realistic expectations for teams to make it that far? It's not going to mm-hmm. happen. But uh, 100 grand, you know, is, is significant enough to those teams, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to follow up, so when Vicenza won it in the 96-97 season, they were in Serie A, and they actually finished eighth in Serie A that year. Yeah, so my memory did serve me correctly. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so another point is that... What what I know I know there's been Italian politicians that came out against it, uh, you know the Serie B clubs that come out against it. Also, there was uh, an emergency meeting called by the uh, Lega Calcio uh, City of Chi. They called an emergency emergency meeting to discuss it. So again, you're probably looking at the same. I don't th- I don't know if there'll be the same results, 
but I wouldn't be surprised if Legacy Chi sued uh, to to get to get um, the format reinstated. Uh, I know it worked uh, when Serie B tried to uh, mm-hmm. change the format a couple of seasons ago. I'm pretty sure uh, to, last season. I think wasn't it? it? Was I think it was last season, and they failed because the uh, the the club sued. And and they had to reverse the decision that they made. And again, it's it, this is something that's coming very common in Italian football, where they make changes without actually being transparent and open, and they come back and they bite them in the ass. So again, the Super League disease has been in Italy for a very very long time. Uh, gentlemen, is there anything else to discuss on this topic? No, not okay, so I'm good. I'm good. So the other news that was kind of lost in uh, this weekend's uh, action is Mourinho to Roma. Um, I'll start it off. Um, I know, Michael, we knew we were having a back and forth about whether it should be Sarri or Allegri. Well, um, Roma has chosen the Portuguese Allegri, as I was saying uh, this week. Uh, Mourinho is that, uh, as Julian can attest to, and in the masterclass uh, in the Barcelona uh, semi-final, uh, excuse me, was it quarter-final, Julian? Um, thought it was semi-final. I think Chelsea was quarter-final, but I may have those reversed. Okay, so anyway, the, the I, I'd always like to bring up the masterclass defensive uh, performance uh, from Inter in that trouble-winning season. Uh, and, I, and to me... It was a semi-final. Sorry. It was a semi-final. Yeah, was. There you go, perfect. And... Mourinho is so well suited to to Syria in the sense that he can use his uh, anti football uh, system to perfection in Italy because uh, that's that's essentially what what Syria is. It's like pure mm-hmm. tactics and pure game management, which is something Roma desperately lacked this season. Uh, we'll go, Chris, Michael, Julian. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good signing for Roma. I think it's also a good signing for Serie just from a an, a global appeal perspective. I mean, uh, you know, you can you can love him, you can hate him, say whatever you want about his tactics and his man management and this and that, but he is going to bring eyeballs to Serie People, you know, your casual fan will watch Roma against you know Udinese next year just because they want to see how Mourinho's doing at Roma. Now, whether they watch the whole game or not is a different story, but uh, I think it's good for the league in general. Um, to be a bit more you know, specific with how it's going to affect Roma, though, um, as much as we you know, ripped on Fonseca quite a bit this year with you know, Roma's place in the table and uh, their inconsistencies, this and that, Roma being in seventh, I think is not only is it fair, but it's realistic in that of all the six clubs ahead of them in the table right now, I can't say they have a better roster than any of those six clubs. Um, now, I don't think they're very far behind Lazio, but I do think they are behind Lazio in terms of just player for player, overall ability, overall talent. So for them to be in seventh is, like I said, is fair. Um, does Mourinho have the ability to get them into that sixth spot or fifth spot? Perhaps, but it's going to be very difficult with the current roster. Now we can assume there's going to be some roster turnover. Um, I think the number of players and the quality of players that Mourinho is allowed to bring in will dictate whether or not he can get this team out of seventh, because if it stays the same 
or if they just kind of swap out like for like. Uh, as good as Mourinho is, as uh, as strong as his history is, I don't know if if any manager for that matter can can get this Roma club into the top six. Might be a bit harsh, but that's just my take on kind of the, the state of the union with, with them right now. Michael? Um, yeah, just to jump on Chris's point there, I think it also depends on what happens with those teams above them, right? Like if they don't do anything and they don't, you know, uh, have a good market, et cetera, it could really mean that they do, they are able to kind of make leaps and bounds in terms of their positioning. Um, having a manager that, uh, you know, like to Paulo's point, that can play in Serie A and has, you know, tactically um, the right mentality for that league, uh, I think gives them an advantage over other, you know, having a good manager at that has, gives them an advantage over teams that don't necessarily have that that luxury. Um, Juventus? Yeah. Wait, but, <laughs> yeah, again, I, I don't want to make excuses for Juventus. Like, that's – but that's just the reality. I think they, they're able to uh, – Mourinho would be able to successfully implement these things, again, depending on what players he buys and, and what the other teams above him do. But I think he, he could have success. Um, outside of that, I guess, uh, yeah, it's just – it's an interesting – uh, development. I mean, the who would have saw this coming? I, I don't know that anyone really pegged it for a realistic uh, outcome. But again, good for good for City. I it, it kind of just shows a little bit more of um, you know this this is a league that's kind of coming back. Uh, even though Marino could you know probably is a little I wouldn't say washed up, but he's he, he's looking for somewhere to land that can give him a little bit more of uh, his respectability back. And if he does anything in Rome, if, if they, you know, start to compete and, and contend for serious silverware, I think that, uh, that that'll help him cement himself as uh, a proper manager again. And sorry, Paulo, before I jump in, one of the things mm. I wanted to say with Mourinho uh, with, and, Yes, you know, the casual fan will watch more games. I think Mourinho himself will be able to attract players that a club like Roma wouldn't normally be able to attract. So, uh, i.e. players that have played for Mourinho in the past, uh, they may be willing to come to Roma maybe on uh, cheaper wages, knowing that they're going to get managed by him. And that's a very good point because, uh, you know, the names that I saw was David De Gea, which probably is a better goalkeeper than Paulo Lopez, most likely. Definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah. What was it? Renato Sanchez? And yeah, I saw that yeah. as well. Yeah. Another one. Um, so, yeah, like uh, these are players that will definitely improve Roma squad substantially. Uh, Julian, uh, do you want to add something? Yeah, I've, just from the inter-perspective, and I, the consensus on Twitter all seemed to be fairly similar. Um if he would have went to Milan or Juve or, well, one of those two, I think Inter Twitter would have gone into a revolt. Um, but we're honestly kind of happy to see him again in Serie A and don't mind the fact that he is with Roma. As you guys have all said, I think he will make Roma better. I still think they need to have a set plan in place, and hopefully he's the beginning of this plan. Um, just another point, I think Walter Samuel is being touted to be his assistant. So, just another ex-Inter-Roma player lined up there as well. 
Yeah, and then uh, I know Daniele De Rossi is with the Italian national team for now, but that doesn't rule out uh, anything for the future of him being also an assistant coach at Roma as well, which is what's mm-hmm. something that he wanted to do. Um, so and also uh, Julian said being back in Syria is also renewed acquaintances with Antonio Conte. I know there was um, a video that was going around on Twitter from Leanne uh, that uh, interviewed Conte, and um, the reason and and he said he you know of course uh, Wilson is the best except for when they're playing against Inter. And the reason why I bring this up is because in England uh, there was a very heated rival between the two managers. Uh, I think Mourinho probably threw a couple insults uh, towards Conte. And you replied by calling Mourinho a little man. So uh, I, I cannot wait. Uh, like, I, like even his press conferences will bring so many eyes because this guy is so well versed in various languages. He's so well spoken that he can just rile up anyone, and 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 people will be like more tuned into to press conferences and how this will impact. Uh, the game the next day, right? So I, I, I'm thoroughly looking forward to uh, his presence in Syria next season. Uh, so, Michael, you said that it came out of nowhere, um, which it did. No one, like, not even the main journalist in Italy had any idea this was going down. Um, they all thought it was Marisa Sari. And I remember, you know, going to bed, uh, you know, that night, uh, reading from uh, news from Italy saying, oh, Maurizio Sarri, uh, three-year contract at 4 million euros a season, and then waking up the next morning saying Mourinho has agreed to Jose So it was quite, a, quite an impressive coup from, from Roma in that sense, and as a result, uh, their stock price went up like, uh, 20 30 percent in one day, which is which is quite impressive. Um, so sticking with money, uh, I, I want to discuss his salary. Um, so Michael, you said that you wanted salary before all this, before even Mourinho came yes. into the picture, yeah. And th- th- he was at, I think, it was uh, touted four million euros a season. So is it worth paying an extra three and a half million euros for Mourinho to come in per season? Michael? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I, I, I would just say, again, because he can, he has a little bit more credibility in terms of, you know, players as well. And I think that th- they're more likely to join a squad like Roma, who's in seventh in Serie A this season, than they would have if, if Sari was there. Like, you, you would have got Jorginho if you were Sari, right? Like, right. which, you know, to, um, to Jose's credit, I think, like, again, it's, it's more of a coup. Um, to get him than um, than someone who again will be able to play uh, properly, you know, organized football. But uh, if you're going to get the guy who did it, um, who who parked the bus and won a Champions League, the best, then great. Yeah, that's a very good point, uh, Chris. Uh, I'm going to say no. I think that three and a half million euros a year could have been spent on, you know, securing better players or upping someone's wages when the time comes. Um, I think three and a half million is a lot when there are other good managers out there. 
but at the same time, like Mike said, he does have that credibility. Uh, he's he can make something come from nothing. So you know he's not going to be afraid to park the bus next year against Inter and Juve and draw both of those games if that mm-hmm. means Roma getting a better chance of finishing top four. Exactly. Whereas if Sadi is a bit more stubborn, he wants to play Sadi ball. He wants it to be attractive, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of what I prefer. So maybe that's my bias coming out and how I answer this. But um, yeah, time will tell. And Julian. No, I think it's good. I think teams, I mean, especially when you're trying to compete with the BPL, I think teams need to invest. And the coach, I mean, I'm saying this as Conte, the coach is somebody you may need to invest a lot of money in, but can get the most out of your players. So in the end, you could argue that it's worth it. I think as an Inter fan this season, I can 100% argue it's worth it. But yeah, that's me. So, actually, in his first season, so at the start of next season, he will be paid 16 million euros. But not by Roma. Not but by not Roma. all by Roma, exactly. Not all by Roma, which I think was a genius move in terms of, like, you know, securing him. And that probably played a big role in why they ended up, you know, signing him. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure Tottenham said, hey, like, we will eat you know, some of this, so it's it's worthwhile for you, right? And and that's just smart business. Like, you can get a guy, uh, and even if, you know, see how he does in that first season, and then again, after that, it's... He's, he's not going to make 16 every year. No, it's uh, 16 for the first season, which uh, 7.5 will be paid by Roma, and the rest will be paid by Spurs, and then it's 7.5 for the rest, I think. Right. Yeah. And it's and a deal and, for Spurs, right? Because then they don't have to pay out exactly. the rest of Mourinho's exactly. sixty million for three more years, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, any any other comments? I I'm, I'm personally uh, very excited. Uh, what I'll just add, uh, I mean, this could be a, a discussion on its own, but what I don't want to get lost on Mourinho coming is where Fonseca goes. And again, I know there's you know a lot to be desired with how. Roma's season has gone, but I do still think he's a, a pretty decent manager. I think he's better than uh, a handful that are in Serie currently. Uh, I just quickly would like to point out maybe Fiorentina and Bologna are some spots he could land at. I don't know if that's a prestigious enough spot for him. Uh, I'm sure there are some other fairly decent-sized clubs that will be looking to secure him. So, uh, Do you think I'll he be... stays Do you think he stays in Italy, though? I I don't think he will, but I would like him to. Right. Yeah. I think. Well, uh, welcome to Besiktas. <laughs> <laughs> just on that, I was just wanted to touch before we got off the coach thing because I think it's going to be a lot of fun next year. So Gattuso is rumored to be going to Fiorentina with Spalletti coming right. in to replace him. Um, you have Stankovic potentially leaving Red Star to come to Sampdoria, as we mentioned earlier. Um, you still have Conte, you'll have Mourinho, Allegri, maybe Juve. It's going to be a fun year next year. Sadi oh, yeah. for Pioli once that happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Before, okay, now that you brought it up, now I have to respond. Oh, that's a can of worms, but go. <laughs> take, take 30 seconds to go. I mean, if he does, just quick question. If, he, if Pioli does make Champions League, mm-hmm. should he stay? Yeah. Um, <laughs> go Milan fan first and then Julian Mike. Yes. I mean, uh, no, nobody at Milan is gonna sack him after they got they got us top four. Um, 
again, I can go on for hours, but I don't think Pioli is the manager to um, consistently have us finish top four and or to do well in Europe. I think we need that next tier of manager. I think he did what we needed him to do, which was get us top four. I'm knocking on wood right now, but so yes to answer your question, but I would prefer Saudi. Okay. Julian? Yeah, no, same thing. Yeah, you can't sack him at this point. And Michael, I'm 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 sure you're in concurrence. No, I would sack. (laughs) (laughs) I just think no, like to Chris's point, like if you, you know, you got the guy who got you to fourth. Okay, great. But like, if you are gonna do anything after after that point, like he's not gonna be the one to do it. So why keep him? Mm. Uh, He he was even borderline to stay this year. So I'm Mm. not sure what the like realistically what he can add next year that he hasn't done so far. Yeah, they would have had the chance, be... and that was this year, and he got them to where. But his his. But they also is this. went to the. But he this also was... went to the Europa League like, quarters. Quarters. He hasn't really ever been given a shot in Champions League. Yeah, I think he deserves a shot. We'll see what he does. I mean, it is similar with Spalletti and Inter, right? He got them that fourth spot. They gave him one year, and it didn't work out. So then they brought in Conte, who still didn't get them further in Europe. But that's another story. <laughs> but, but he did win a trophy. But anyway, that's, that's yeah. another story. Um, okay, before we move on to break, um, and just another coach. I just want to get you guys' opinion on it quickly. Uh, should Zerbi stay at Sassuolo? Well, Chris, Michael, Jewel. Uh That's a tough question because I think he's ready to make a jump to a bigger club. I would, I want him to stay in Serie A, but like, unless Lazio sack Zaghi, I don't know where he would slot in. So your question, should he stay in Serie A? Uh, selfishly, yes. But I think for his purposes, he will not. Well, so to your point, actually, Simone Inzaghi's contract is up in June. And there's still uh, no no sign of re-signing. Uh, and also, as we pointed out on Twitter, uh, Inzaghi is also the odds-on favorite to... Uh, become the next Spurs manager. So that is very interesting. Uh, Michael? Um, is the question whether he should stay in Italy or... Yeah. Yes, because... So uh, should he stay at Sassuolo or in general should he stay in Syria? Okay, I think uh, I think he can make a jump and I would like to see him, like to Chris's point, I agree with that. Um, and also I'd like to see someone else at Sassuolo... Uh, to see what they can do there. So I, I'd like to give another chance to like a uh, Italiano, for example. Mm. Yeah, that's that, a good point. That, yeah, that's a good point. Julian? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as everybody else. I think he he's done enough with Sassuolo to definitely deserve a shot at a bigger club. Um, now that might be outside of Italy, but I would like him to stay. All right, so on that note, that was a very good discussion. Thank you, uh, gentlemen. Uh, So we'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. L'estate che torna ancora e i giochi messi da parte per una chitarra nuova. 
on Sunday was uh, Mother's Day so that was just a tribute to uh, you know all of our mothers of course and all the mothers out there uh, Chris uh, let's get back into it uh, you have this week's uh, Who Am I for the Fans and before that Michael go right ahead you sure? yes yes I'm positive <laughs> who am I? I don't know all right, so as Paula said, this is this one is for the listeners. So hint number one, this player began his youth career with Atalanta before switching to another Serie A club. Hint number two, he has made more than 45 appearances for two Serie A clubs. And hint number three, this midfielder has won the Supercoppa Italiana on one occasion. And again, first person to answer our Twitter post uh, correctly can ask us a Serie or culture-related question for the guys to discuss on the next episode. All right, so that seems like a very challenging one because there could be many Atlanta youth, former youth players, right? All right, so let's move on to uh, top four chat uh, for the last, uh, for, for excuse me, for the games this week. So, Games to point out in week 36 that we'll discuss. Of course, Napoli Undinese, uh, Atalanta Benevento, Sassuolo Juventus, and Torino Milan. So who of those teams face the most difficult challenge? Michael. Who of those teams face the most difficult challenge? Juventus. Yes. So because of the quality and the threat that Sassuolo face, yes? Or that um, Sassuolo pose, I should say? Pose, yeah. I mean, I, I just think, again, they're, they're a team that all season has not had that spark that just in, ignites a little bit of confidence. Um, I, I just see them as, as being the, the team of those, th- those that you mentioned, uh, as being the most susceptible to a uh, lack of proper preparation. So I, I, that's why I choose them. Okay. Julian? Um, yeah, out of those teams, I think they're in a most tough. I think they also have one of the tougher schedules, which clearly doesn't bode well for them. Um, yeah, I think they're kind of the odd guys out right now. And Chris? I mean, you could pick Juve. Uh, you could also argue Napoli and I only say that because the three teams they're playing uh, you could go a couple of different ways with this but they're playing Udinese um, Fiorentina and Verona so those are all teams that are you know 10th 12th and 14th or something like that they're they're all safe they're they're not going to go down they're not close to a top seven spot so in terms of positions in the table you could say yeah Napoli has it tough but those three teams don't really have much to play for so I don't know if the motivation is going to be there no I'm not saying that you know Udinese is not going to give it their all to, uh, tomorrow and Fiorentina is not going to give their all on the weekend but you know that that extra bite that extra push 
they may not have that in them because again, the incentive isn't there. So I, I could argue Napoli just based on where their next three opponents are in the table. Uh, again, I, I would agree with Michael. Uh, I think Juventus have the most difficult opponent to face uh, midweek in week 36 because they also have something to play for. They're only two points back of Roma for uh, the final European spot. And, you know, maybe we're talking about Zerbi before the break. Maybe if Sassuolo um, overcome Roma for seventh spot, maybe he stays. Maybe it throws all of the future plans, all of the discussion uh, for a contract with uh, Shakhtar Donetsk get thrown out of the window because uh, he'll be in Europe next season. So um, I think if uh, if they do get a scalp, especially since... Uh, Inter uh, play Roma, uh, and Roma I don't think are good enough even to even to beat uh, Inter's B squad. Uh, so here's their chance to kind of uh, you know turn everything on its head and and make a push for Europe. Thoughts? I yeah. uh, will go, Chris, Michael, Jude. Yeah, no, I mean it, it is hard to argue against Juve. I was more or less trying to play a bit of a devil's advocate there. Mm. It, it is it is difficult, and I think when you consider their form, and w- one thing to consider, and w- one of the commentators from the Milan-Juve game mentioned this, that um, not only you know were there three points up for grabs obviously uh, in yesterday's match, but the like the psychological loss, the emotional toll like, it can take on, on your players and your club when you lose big games like that that mean a lot that have, you know, top four implications. So uh, I know Juve are an experienced squad. So if anybody's able to deal with a loss like that, it's them. But, um, you know, it's only going to be four days after the fact or three days after the fact. So they could still be feeling the effects of that loss. Yeah. And to that point, to the experience point, I think it's, it's also embarrassing the way that they came out and played. So, I will say that although what my choice is still Juventus, I think that they are going to have a better, much better game Wednesday. I think they're going to come out and uh, just with a little more fire because that's what they need. But again, I just don't know that uh, it's going to be enough of uh, a proper, I guess, solution because it, it just hasn't been there all season. So I don't know how they manufacture that for one game coming up. And Julian. Sorry, what's the question again? Uh, well, again, essentially, would be Sassuolo as the hardest. I know uh, you answered uh, Sassuolo as well, but do you think that, you know, Juventus will struggle against them in the sense that, you know, they'll come out flat or, as Michael said, there'll be a response to, you know, them getting their ass kicked by Milan? No, I think they'll definitely come out with a response. Uh, the only thing, though, is that Sassuolo is still pushing for that seventh spot. So I don't think they're just going to roll over. I think they're going to try and get into that seventh spot ahead of Roma. Yeah, okay. and I'm not, saying not, I'm not saying that won't happen. I just think that, again, if, if there was a game that at this point uh, Juve need to show their, their palle, this is it. So I think it's, it's just more possible um, that that also shows up so that i mean i'm anticipating a good game anyways from both ends i don't know that uh uv are are going to just lay down and and take it is what i'm saying okay so let's uh, move on to week 37 
Okay, of course, the top four games to point out is, you know, on everyone's list, the Derby d'Italia, as we mentioned earlier in the episode. Uh, Conte is planning to play his best team for this game as well. Uh, Roma-Lazio uh, as well on Saturday at 2.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Genoa-Atalanta. As Chris mentioned, it's Fiorentina-Napoli on Sunday. And AC Milan Cagliari uh, to round out uh, the Sunday. Uh, so again, most likely out of those games as well, Juventus Inter is the is the marquee, of course. Julian. Yeah, so that's the one. Um, I mean, Conte has already come out and said they're not planning on rotating. That'll be their probably their strongest squad. Which I mean. I think especially after the way the Copa Italia went, Conte, he wants to take his revenge again on Juve. So um, it'll be a good game. Again, Inter, I think they're going to want to try and end Juve's Champions League hope once and for all. And, of course, Juve's still going to be vying for that last spot. Michael? Um, yeah, I mean, that's the schedule makers obviously had something in mind when they put this you know, when they put the Derby d'Italia as one of the final games of, uh, I guess, the cycle. Um, it just would have been a lot better, obviously, if uh, if this was <laughs> a competition as opposed to, you know, just a uh, another match. But it, there's only one side that's really desperate. Um, but I don't know that that's going to be enough. It, it'll be an interesting game. Again, I think it's uh, Juve, the next couple of games, they cannot falter. They need to go out there and without a doubt win these games if they even have a chance at UCL. Um, and that's obviously if there isn't a ban. And Chris? Yeah, I mean, it goes without saying. It's the, obviously the Inter-Juve match will be the most watched one for, for that for match day 37. Uh, I also I, I do want to point out, though, that Milan playing uh, Cagliari uh, it is a game where both clubs, like Mike said, uh, are going to be desperate, right? Milan obviously trying to finish top four. And I feel like uh, Cagliari, you know, match day 37, if they can grab a point or three from Milan, that should, you know, mathematically secure their spot if they aren't able to do it after match day 36. So uh, we'll be fun to see both teams giving it their all. You know, uh, I just want to focus on um, Milan before we move on to. I want to ask a Juventus-related question afterwards, but Torino and 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 Cagliari, I think those are two banana skin games where you know, especially uh, you know, Milan coming off the high beating Juventus three nothing, could you know kind of lack the focus in playing against teams that are fighting for um, survival, just like Lazio did against Fiorentina. Chris, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you're not wrong, and it's easy to fall into that trap. Uh, I did see something that was reassuring um, today. Anyways, I guess when Pioli addressed the squad before training started, he basically said, "You know, you know, well done. You deserve the three points, but you haven't won anything yet." So, I mean, depending on the tone of, of how he said that, hopefully that brings everybody back down to earth. You know, you have fun in the change room, you have fun uh, on the bus bus ride back after the game, but then you know. Once Monday morning comes, it's a new week and you have to prepare again. And I know that's that's cliche, but that, that that is what it's about. Is you have to put that to the back of your mind and move on. 
Okay, so Michael, you mentioned that um, Juventus cannot make any mistakes in the last two games. So, the, and, and this made me think of my of my next question that I want to ask you is, if they don't get banned, do you sack Pirlo? Um, and they make Champions League. And if they don't make Champions League and, and they don't get banned. So they don't make Champions League and they don't get banned. So they Correct. go to Europa League. Correct. Um, no, I don't. I, I mean, I don't. In any case, I would still keep them. I just need. I think there needs to be some other shakeup. I don't know that uh, Pirlo is deserving of the heat of being sacked. I think he deserves another chance, especially if you know. Uh, yeah, especially if they make if they do end up making Champions League and they're not banned. But if it's Europa League again, even at that point, I, I just don't see a reason to hire a more uh, demanding coach for that competition. Julie, I wouldn't sack him, and that's just not not just me being an Inter fan wanting him to stay around as long as possible. Um, <laughs> I don't know. He's been in toughness here. Like, I think you need to address the management issues first. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he's, like, I think Juventus needs to focus on more than just him. I think if they just go and sack him and appoint a new coach, it doesn't really solve much. And Chris? Yeah, I mean, for pretty much all just the reasons Mike and, and Julian just laid out, I, I think it's not worth moving on when there are so many other problems that they need to address. It's kind of like that that iceberg effect, right, where what you see above the water is just you know a fraction of what's really happening. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it'd be harsh to, to move on from, from Pirlo without addressing a lot of other things first. Okay, so am I the only one who would take a contrarian point of view from the the other three? So I'll I'll, yes. I'll just mention, yes. <laughs> um, so all things being equal, uh, they don't make Champions League and they don't get banned. I would sack Pirlo, but as you all mentioned, there's problems with the management, and most likely at that point, you know, Angeli and Paratici most likely should get sacked as well. And I would put uh, Nedved in charge of the, of building the squad because he was right about Sarri all along. And most likely at that point, Allegri will come back or Sarri will come back. We'll see what would happen. But but yes, if all things being equal, uh, no Champions League, uh, Peel should get sacked. If they do get banned, I think there's literally no point in sacking Pirlo. None whatsoever. So uh, that's why as a Juventus fan, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm not ashamed to say it. I hope they do get banned because it will uh, launch all of the things that uh, we mentioned before in this episode. So uh, is there any other uh, discussions, uh, points, topics for week 36, week 37? Um, no, no, I think just uh, I'm excited to see what ha- what happens with uh, this uh, gong show of a season. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just quickly, I mean, Lazio still has that game in hand. So I know we've kind of just we kept it to you know Atalanta, Milan, Napoli, Juve. But if Lazio do win their game in hand, they're now only two points back of Juve with the number of games played being equal. So um, this, you know, for next week's episode, we might be discussing Lazio as a potential um, top four option. It's a long shot for sure, but it's it, it could they could pass Juve at the very least. 
Well, okay, so I'm glad you brought up Lazio. So I, because uh, I, I, I neglected to talk about the, you know, the Rome Derby, Derby della Capitale. I, um, again, I, I always look at the the Rome Derby as a one-off game, and I think going into this game, I think Roma have something more to prove than Lazio. I think they're, I think Roma are, are playing for pride. I think. Um, they should come out. Uh, they should come out stronger than Lazio. I think the game against Fiorentina, I think, kind of uh, put Lazio in their place, where, like I said, they would be at the beginning of the season. And in my opinion, I think Fonseca is playing for pride, uh, as well as the rest of the squ- uh, uh, Roma squad. So I, I think Roma will come out winners in the Rome derby. Uh, thoughts? I'll go, Chris, Michael, Julian. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Uh, I, I think I would still pick Lazio to come out on top. There's just a bit more structure there. We know how open Roma are. I, I, I do like the points you made about Roma and, you know, playing for pride and same with Fonseca, but I, I still like, uh, I would still take Lazio to win if I had to pick a winner. Michael? Um, yeah, I think uh, I agree with Chris there. I think that's probably the, the most makes the the answer that works the most. I would like to see Roma show some fight, but uh, I think Lazio probably takes it. And Julian. Yeah, I kind of want to be different, but at the same time, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Lazio, I mean, they're, they are the better team. Um, and I think they're obviously going to want to bounce back after their disappointment against Fiorentina. Now I know Roma prior to the Crotona game weren't in the best run of form. Maybe the Crotona game helped turn that around. We'll see. All right, so uh, this perfect uh, segue to a quick footnote to wrap up um, the European competitions for this season. Uh, so Roma lost eight five on aggregate to Manchester United in the Europa League semifinals. Uh, they won the second leg three two. You know, I, I, they probably could have got more goals uh, if it wasn't for a, um, you know, a pretty good De Gea performance, which most likely will be his future team. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, how it works out. Um, so, on that note, uh, we'll wrap up the uh, Calcio talk. Uh, Chris, I believe you have uh, our uh, Who Am I uh, question. I do, I do. So here we go with hint number one for you guys. So he has played in more than two of Europe's top five leagues. Hint number two, he has won a league title outside of Italy. Hint number three, he has played with James Rodriguez, Alex Kolarov, and John Stones. I'll go through those three again. He has played in two, more than two of Europe's top five leagues. He has won a league title outside of Italy. He has played with James Rodriguez, Alex Kolarov, and John Stones. Hmm. James Rodriguez, Kolarov, and John Stones. Interesting. Yeah. The Kolarov one is throwing me for a loop because the only time... Colorado was playing outside of Italy was Manchester City. And he won in Manchester City. So that's possibly where this particular gentleman won. Hmm. 
Because Stones... Wait, Stones is on Man City too, right? Or is that... Stones is, I'm pretty sure. I don't know where he came from. It was Everton. And Hamid Rodriguez was United, though. That's the thing. That's what's thrown, also throwing me for the loop. So it can't be... Right. Can't be Ashley Young. He was... Well... Rodriguez was a lot of places. He was United. He was Madrid. He was uh, Bayern last year. Yeah, sorry. And he he played with Kolarov, so he could have played with him at Roma or Inter now. So it could be an Inter player or it could be a Roma player as well, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Sorry, Chris. What are they again? All three. Three hints? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, so he has played in more than two of Europe's top five leagues. He has won a league title outside of Italy. And he has played with James Rodriguez, Alex Kolarov, and John Stones. So a uh, point of clarification. Two or more of the top five leagues. So it could be Syria and another league. Correct. Okay. Why am I thinking? Why am I thinking Ashley Young? But I can't be Ashley Young because he has no. played with. Col- well, technically, I've played with Collar off at, at 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 Inter, and he's yeah, one. Sure. He's one, but sto- okay, so Stones though. That, that's that's the one that's throwing me for a loop. Is John Stones? Yeah, I don't know enough about where Stones came from. Because it was Everton, and, and but help me out. Is it Man City? That he went to? I think. It is. Okay. Okay, so then it can't be Ashley Young because I don't think he's. Cause no. I don't think he's played. Damn it. Or it could be. Oh, wait a minute. But I don't think he's won a league title, though. Because Mikatarian, no, but he didn't play with. Kolarov, or maybe he did. Is he Mkhitaryan... could have a city. No, I don't think McTarry was Arsenal United. But the thing is, was there an overlap? When did so Kolarov came? Was McTarian was he wasn't at Roma last season, right? This is his first season. No, he was there last year. Okay, then he would have played with Kolarov last year. But did he win the league title? Uh, he didn't need to win Serie A though. He could have won in England, Premier League title. Yeah, but I don't. Think where was he? United and Arsenal. I don't think United or Arsenal have won in the last five years. Four minutes left, gentlemen. Oh no! So it can't be Mkhitaryan. Uh, Smalling was Smalling on one of the last uh, United. Winning, uh, was it a league title, Chris, you said? Uh, he has won a league title outside of Italy. So, But it's not a top five league title. It could be anything. Correct. Okay, should we, should we ask what position then? Because that will narrow. Or, or we take the chance on Chris's hint. Whatever mm-hmm. you guys think. <laughs> I, I, say, I say position. Okay. Michael? I say the mystery hint. 
Julian, you're the deciding. <laughs> That's exactly um, what Julian didn't want. Yeah. <laughs> um, to make a quick Let's do the mystery hint because I feel like Chris will say no to the right. because I got his last time. <laughs> All right. So your bonus hint for this week: he has only played for one Serie A club. Okay, so it has to be Roma. Yeah. What other English player? English player. Well, I, I'm th- my English is in my head. I don't know why. Because who other? What other? Smalling, maybe. Because he played with, I think, because he was Kolarov was on Roma last season, and that's when Smalling was there as well. Played like a part season. Uh, the thing is that did he win a title? Was he because was he there with Ferguson before he left? That's that's the thing. Uh, I can't remember. Two minutes remaining. Two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait one more time. What are the forehands? All right. So he has played in more than two of Europe's top five leagues. It's more than two, so it's he three has, leagues minimum. He has so, won a league title outside of Italy. He has played with James Rodriguez, Alex Kolarov, John Stones, and then your bonus hint, he has only played for one Serie A club. So, did you say two or more of the top five? No, more than two. He has played in more, more than two of Europe's top five leagues. Okay, then it can't be an English player. Okay. Oh, what? That, that throws my theory out. Hmm. Okay, but it's Inter, Roma, United, and Man City. Hmm. One minute I, remaining. Yeah, I actually have no One idea. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't mind the um, Mediterranean one uh, if, if that makes sense. Um, I'm sure he, yeah. I don't know enough about his career trajectory to be honest, but yeah. Where, where, was he, um, where was he before United? Shakhtar, pretty sure. Was it Shakhtar? Wait, yeah, Stone, Kolarov, and who? James was it McTarian at Dortmund? Oh yeah, he was at nice. Dortmund. Yeah, he, I say McTarian then. There. Locking it in. Where would he have played with Hamas? United. He said United. Yeah, he was. Yeah, okay. Pretty sure. Yeah, they're, sure. Both, they're both. Yeah. Okay. Time. Time is up. So is yeah. McTerry in your answer? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. <laughs> so before it's, I give uh, you the answer, it's the bench player on Crotone. <laughs> so where you guys went wrong was oh, from the no, very no. beginning because James <laughs> Rodriguez never played for Man U. Oh, what? Yeah. That. See, that's what I said. <laughs> um, he played for Everton in England, and I think oh, that's, that's the only English was. team he's played with. Damn it. Yeah. Um, Madrid and Bayern were the other ones. Damn it, Paulo. Your other uh, bonus bonus, and I'm, so I'm just giving you now, is that he scored a wonder goal this weekend. Myrl, Rebic, nope. 
Diaz? Nico Yanis? Diaz. Brahim. Brahim yeah. Diaz. Oh, don't tell me he won a league title with Madrid. He won one with Madrid and with uh, City. Wait, one with City? Uh, let me double check. Uh, La Liga, yeah, Prem 2017-18, and then he went to Madrid 19-20. Um, so yeah, I think what stumped you guys was that you were assuming. So the three players I gave you, like you were trying to link Hamez with with Roma and stuff like that. Um, but so he played with Hamez at Real, and then he played with Kolarov and John Stones at Man City. Interesting. Uh, league title, yeah, La Liga and Prem, and then. He's played in Serie A, obviously, and yeah, I would have never got yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was stumped. And plus, uh, I forgot that he. I thought it was United, but it was Everton that he played in England. Yeah, yeah, that's where I went wrong. See, and then I, I was hoping you guys were then going to go down a rapid hole with because Rodriguez is at Everton currently, and John Stones was at Everton. Mm. So then I then I was hoping you guys were going to start to list off Everton players playing in Serie A and. <laughs> it would have been fun. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm more interested, as always, with why you select that player. Like Benucci again is your favorite player, so that's why you chose him. <laughs> <laughs> so this is because, uh, obviously, inspired by this weekend's uh, goal. Yeah, wonder goal. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, very. Yeah, I was deciding yeah. between him or Rebic, <laughs> and uh, yeah, aided by his arm, by the way. Uh, uh, right. Still wrong. all right so uh we're in the process of wrapping up the episode so a quick serie b minute empley were crowned champions salernitana are automatically promoted by finishing second uh so the playoff uh teams are monza lecce brescia kievo and cittadella and venezia so the uh, playoffs, the first round, so the preliminary for the playoffs is Venezia, Kievo, and Cittadella versus Brescia. Uh, so the, those games are being played on May 13th. The winner of Venezia, Cittadella, uh, excuse me, of Venezia, Kievo plays Monza. And the winner of Cittadella Brescia plays Lecce, and those games are going to be taking place on May 17th and 20th. And the final will take place on May 23rd and May 27th. The teams that are relegated from Serie B are Cosenza, Reggiana, Pescara, and Antella. Um, guys, so any, any last comments before we wrap up? Uh, we'll go Julian, Mike, Chris. Um... No, I don't really have too, too much. Nice to see Pinamonti get his first goal for the club. Happy for him. Michael? Um, I will say that uh, Bonucci Merda. That's it? That's it. Come on. Come up with something else. Um, uh, okay, I'll, uh, you go first and I'll think of something else. <laughs> Juve, Juve, Merda. Juve, Juve, Merda. That's it for okay, me. That, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> All right, so I just want to say that um, uh, we started on Twitter. We're going to post our daily 
memories, our most uh, favorite memories from uh, Italy's Euro Cup runs uh, until the start of the tournament. So, so it's going to be 33 of them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Or I think it was 32, to be honest. Uh, I think today is 32. But anyway, we're, 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 we're going to be a month away. Uh, today's the 11th, so we're going to be tomorrow. So Tuesday is going to be uh, 30 days until the start of the tournament, which the first game will be uh, Turkey versus Italy at Rome Stadio Olimpico. So I'm looking forward to that, uh, which is why I cannot wait until the season is over. <laughs> <laughs> for obvious reasons. Okay, so Because you, uh, you want to cheer yeah. for Barella. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. And Bastoni. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Bastoni, yes, exactly, yeah. So, and w- Fenty. Wait a minute. And, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that was a step too far, but yeah. And Lukaku. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> yeah, so I, I do I do appreciate the, the talent and quality that uh, Bastoni and uh, Barella bring to the Italian national team, so that's that's why I'll be, I'll be cheering up. The, I, I, I haven't decided yet, but I might get a Barella jersey. We'll see. Italy oh, <laughs> You should get a Bonucci jersey. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, guys. So thank you for uh, for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure, as always, uh, hosting. Michael, thank you for letting me do it this week. I'll, uh, of course. I'll, I'll relinquish it next week. Okay. So, uh, again, thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Take care.